Thanks so much for tuning in online today. I hope that you are ready uh, to dive into God's Word. I'm very excited about the message that God has put on my heart. And uh, you may have heard the governor has announced uh, some new guidelines, and it seems like uh, every couple of weeks we are in transition again. And that's why I think it's very appropriate that the series that we're in is called The Land Between, uh, because that's exactly where we find ourselves. We are navigating seasons of uncertainty. And so right now, uh, as you're watching this, we have a drive-in service that's taking place at Jesse Turner Community Center. And so we want to be in prayer uh, for everyone that's there, that God would do a great work there. But also that God would work in our hearts in this online service, in online environment. And so if you're watching this morning and you are ready to jump into God's Word, uh, go ahead and drop an amen in the comments. And uh, uh, we are excited about studying God's Word together. If you have a Bible today, I want to encourage you to grab it and go to 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18 is where we're going to be today. And uh, we are going to be in week number two of our series, The Land Between. And uh, we're talking about how we can navigate that space between the promise and the payoff, how we can navigate seasons of uncertainty. And last weekend, we talked about the life of Joseph and how Joseph had to learn to wait on God's timing there in prison. And this week we're gonna to look to another character in redemptive history, and his name is David. And uh, we're gonna learn from the life of David uh, how we can navigate this space. And today I wanna to preach a message that I'm calling this, Tension in the Air. Tension in the Air. And uh, we're gonna look at 1 Samuel chapter 18. And we'll start reading in verse number 10 if you have a Bible. Uh, today, wherever you may be watching, uh, watching or listening from, and uh, we'll read 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse number 10. The Bible says this, And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul, and he prophesied in the midst of the house, and David played with his hand as at other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And uh, if you're watching this morning, go ahead and drop the word javelin in the comments. There was a javelin, there was a spear in Saul's hand. Then it says this in verse number 11, And Saul cast the javelin, he threw the spear, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. Twice. Verse number 12, And Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from him and made him his captain over a thousand, and he went out and came in before the people. And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and he came in before them. Today I want to speak to this subject. There's tension in the air. Let's have a word of prayer together. God, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. God, thank you for your goodness, even in this season of coronavirus, even in this season of uncertainty, even in this season of scattering. God, we want to declare this morning that you are good and that you are faithful. And God, even when we can't seem to make sense of what's taking place in our lives, God, we know that you are sovereign, that you are still on the throne. And so God, I pray that we would be a church that does not operate by fear, but that we would operate by faith and that we would take the necessary steps to move forward in the calling that you have for us. 
God, I pray that you would be with our study together this morning. God, I pray that we would learn some practical and uh, helpful principles on how we can navigate this space between. God, I pray that you'd be with the drive-in services and all those that are watching and listening online. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember when I first moved to Fontana, I got a phone call from one of our city council members, and he asked me if I would come and pray for a city council meeting. And so I got ready for that, and, and I went, and I showed up to the city council meeting. I actually invited Seth, our worship pastor, to uh, come along with me. And I came in, and I was ready, and I prayed for that city council meeting, and then we sat down to kind of listen in uh, to what was going to be taking place in that meeting. And I'll never forget it. That meeting uh, quickly uh, got out of hand. And uh, we did not know, but they, uh, there were some angry people there that day uh, that were upset about some of the rules and some of the zoning that was taking place in Fontana. And they were angry. They were letting the city council have it. Uh, they were uh, yelling at the mayor. And uh, it was just a very tense environment. And I remember uh, sitting there thinking, man, I just prayed like five minutes ago for peace in our city and in a unified city council. And I was thinking, I need to up my prayer game because as soon as I said amen, uh, all that went out the window. And uh, it was a tense environment. There was tension in the air. You know, the dictionary defines tension this way. It defines tension as a mental or emotional strain. A mental or emotional strain. And as we navigate 2020, what we're finding is that uh, the level of tension in our society is is quickly uh, becoming out of control. The level of tension is climbing to new heights. The mental and emotional strain that 2020 is taking on people has caused things to be very tense. It seems like things are tense on social media and things are tense in our relationships and things are tense politically. Things are tense financially. Things are even tense spiritually. There is tension in the air. Now, this certainly shouldn't surprise us because we know that uh, the Bible says in 1 Peter 4, 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. And so Peter says we shouldn't be surprised when we are navigating a season of uncertainty or a season of uh, difficulty. This is par for the course when we are navigating the land between. And in fact, often when we find ourselves in the midst of uncertainty, it seems like uh, we are agitated more quickly and we are stressed more uh, easily. And uh, when we're navigating this season of uh, living in between, we find that tension is par for the course. And so the question that I want us to answer biblically today is, how can we alleviate the tension in our lives according to God's word? How can we uh, stay calm under the pressure? And how can we find peace when there is panic uh, surrounding us? When tension is in the air, how can we find uh, clarity and peace? Uh, I watched a video recently, and uh, I believe it's on YouTube if you want to watch it. It's of a 12-year-old boy in Italy who was out on a picnic with his family, and there was a bear right behind him following this boy. And the whole time the dad is videoing uh, the son with the bear right behind him and he's saying, hey, just stay calm, just keep on walking slow, keep on walking slow. And in the video, the boy is walking and the bear is just following him the whole time. And I watched that video just thinking, how did he stay so calm in that tense moment? How did he stay so calm? And, And you should definitely check the video and watch it out. But that's what I want us to experience and want us to see biblically uh, in our lives, how we can stay calm under pressure. When when the enemy, when the devil is walking about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, how can we find that kind of calmness even in those types of uh, situations? 
And so to answer that question, uh, we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 18 today. And what we find is David, who is a teenage boy, and he's living in the land between. You say, why is David living in the land between? Well, back in 1 Samuel chapter 16, David was anointed to be king. And uh, what a great moment that was. Samuel anointed David to be king, and uh, he was excited about that, but he wasn't king right away. Uh, Saul was still on the throne. Uh, Saul was still king. And so David, even though he was anointed to be king, he wasn't king yet. And so he's navigating this space in between. Then in 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, David has this uh, famous battle with Goliath. Goliath, And that really put him on the map. And uh, now he's gaining in popularity. He's gaining in attention from the crowds and from the people of the city. They're starting to recognize and understand who David is. But with that popularity also came some pain. And with that success also came some stress. And now Saul, King Saul, is jealous and envious of David because uh, he's being praised in the city for defeating Goliath and people are singing praises to David. And so because of this, Saul hates David. And David is just a young man, uh, perhaps a teenage boy. King Saul wants to kill David. And David is actually working in the palace. And so think about it. Imagine the scene. Every day when David shows up to work, his boss wants to kill him. Every day when David goes in to clock in, uh, he has someone that hates him, that's envious of him. And so now there's tension in the air. And so not only is David living in the space between, but he is also navigating the tension that's in the air. And I believe that this is so relevant to where we are in 2020 because not only as a church are we navigating the land between, but also everywhere you look, there is tension in our world today. And so I want to learn from David uh, how we can navigate those seasons and those times. And if you're taking notes today, what I'd like to do is I'd like to give us four lessons that we can learn from the life of David, how we can uh, handle when there is tension in the air. Uh, four ways uh, that we can do this, uh, learning from uh, the life of David. First, I want you to see the first thing that David did. First, he prioritized his relationships. He prioritized his relationships. Now, uh, you might know that David had a best friend, and uh, his name was Jonathan. Jonathan was the son of King Saul, and we learn a little bit about this relationship starting in verse number one of 1 Samuel chapter 18, and the Bible says this, and it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And uh, if you're still with me today, go ahead and drop in the comments the word knit, K-N-I-T. Their, their, soul, their souls were knit together, uh, David and Jonathan. The word knit is an interesting word. It means to be tied together by an indissoluble bond. And, and so this is a very strong bond. I want you to see the strength of their relationship. They were knit together. This was a strong bond and a strong relationship that David and Jonathan uh, had together. Now, this kind of relationship is not only possible for us today, it's also instructed biblically. In fact, uh, the Bible says this in Colossians 2 verse number 2, uh, that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and the Father uh, and of Christ. And so we are commanded in Colossians to be knit together in love. As followers of Jesus today and uh, as the body of Christ, we are to encourage one another and challenge one another and exhort one another. Uh, we are to be knit together in love. And so we see this relationship in this pattern with David and Jonathan that they were knit together. Now, how did this come to be? 
How do we have that kind of strength in our uh, horizontal relationships today in life? How, how can this be? Well, uh, it's interesting that David and Jonathan came from completely different backgrounds. Jonathan was a prince. David was a shepherd. Uh, Jonathan uh, perhaps was uh, much, much older than David. In fact, some commentators say that Jonathan was maybe 20 years older than David, and yet they had this strong bond. They were knit together. Why? How could this be? Well, when you learn a little bit about their character and what they were about, uh, it starts to make more sense. In fact, 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse number 6 says this, And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised, speaking of the Philistines. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by a few. And so I love that statement that Jonathan makes. He says, hey, uh, the Lord can use a few to bring about a victory or he can uh, use many to bring about a victory. But basically he was saying, but I will trust in the Lord. I I'm confident that the Lord will give us this victory. That was the perspective of Jonathan. Now, we know what David's perspective was in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 37. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And so both David and Jonathan had something in common. They both relied on the Lord. That was their common denominator. That is their commonality that let them have this strong relationship that they both uh, loved the Lord and both relied and depended upon him for victory. And a lot of people, uh, they don't find community uh, in church. And they don't find strong relationships because they think, well, I tried to get into a small group and I tried to make friends, but uh, you know, they, they weren't really like me and they weren't really into the same music as me and they don't really like the same movies as me and the same hobbies as me. But, but that's not really what it's about. If you are serious about learning from God's word and you're serious about your relationship with God, you can find other people that are just as committed and that is the bond, that is the, the tie that bonds people together. See, that's our common denominator as followers of Jesus, that we want to pursue our knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so that's what brought David and Jonathan together. They had this common denominator. And I just want to encourage you. That's why in this season, we ought to be prioritizing our relationships. We ought to be getting connected into a Zoom group, connected into a small group to say, you know what? I need authentic community in this season. Yes, there are uh, things that are scary in the world. Yes, we're living in the land between. Yes, there's tension in the air, but we need to have relationships that can lift us up and edify us and encourage us in this season. And that's what David and Jonathan had. And so we see the strength of their relationship, but also I want you to see the selflessness of their relationship. We see it in verse number two. If you're still with me, would you go ahead and write with me uh, in the comments today? And uh, verse number two says this, and Saul took him that day and would let him go no more from his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And so David and Jonathan made this, this covenant together because Jonathan loved David as his own soul. We see uh, just the selflessness here of Jonathan towards David. Now, Jonathan was supposed to be next in line to be king. It, it was Jonathan's kingdom to be had, but he recognized that God's plan was to have David be king. And so Jonathan cared more about God's plan than his own promotion. I wonder if the same could be said about you. Do you care more about God's plan than your own promotions? A lot of times it's more about my promotion, my success, what I need to do, and then God's plan is subservient to that. 
I want to encourage you today to focus on God's plan for your life and your promotion second, because if you focus on God's plan, he will bring along the promotion uh, in your life. And so Jonathan was completely selfless, preferring David above himself. And uh, Jonathan was, was living uh, with this kind of selflessness. And again, this is why we ought to uh, prioritize being in a small group community. Now, no one has said this to me, so don't think that I'm preaching to a particular person this morning. But if you've ever had the thought, um, I don't need to be in a small group. I don't need to be in a small group. I'm good. My relationship with God is good. I, just, I don't need to be in a group. I would say that's a, not, not a selfless way to think. Because you might think you might not need to be in a small group, but someone else needs you to be in that small group so that you can be an encouragement to them. Someone else is struggling. Someone else is hurting. And just your presence might be the very thing that they need. And so we all have to be in this together. And I want to encourage you when there is tension in the air, more than ever, we need to prioritize our relationships. How was David able to navigate this? He had a strong relationship. He had people that could encourage him and love him. Uh, in the season that he was in. Then notice verse number four. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and he gave it to David. And in ancient culture, if a king was to give someone uh, some kingly garments or some royal garments, that was one of the highest honors that you could do for someone. And so David took, uh, uh, Jonathan took the clothes off his back, gave it uh, to David and uh, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. And uh, I love this picture of sacrifice here because that's what real relationships require, sacrifice. Jonathan uh, gave garments to David. By the way, this is a wonderful picture of our salvation. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 61, verse number 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of my salvation. And he hath covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. And I just love this thought. The moment that you accepted Christ as your savior, you were clothed with the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God was imputed to your account. See, our righteousness, our good deeds are as filthy as dirty rags, but the righteousness of God has been placed upon us by faith. And so we were given a whole new wardrobe at salvation with the righteousness of God. And, and I love that uh, picture this morning. And so what we're learning in these first few verses is that David prioritized his relationships. He had a strong relationship with Jonathan that encouraged himself uh, in the Lord. This leads us to our second thought today and uh, the second principle that we can learn from David. And that is this, he kept showing up. David, he prioritized his relationships, but then he just kept showing up. He kept showing up. Now, notice verse number 10 in our text today. It says this, And it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul. Now, because Saul had rejected God, because Saul wanted nothing to do with God and wanting to do things his own way, uh, God allowed an evil spirit to come upon him and he was uh, no longer uh, operating with divine uh, power on his life or uh, with God's approval on his life. And so this evil spirit came upon Saul and he prophesied in the midst of the house. And this wasn't good godly prophecy. Uh, this was not uh, Holy Spirit prophecy. This was evil prophecy in the midst of the house. And David 
played with his hand as at other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And so this was David's job in the palace. David was uh, one of these guys that was kind of like a renaissance man. He could kind of do all kinds of different things, good at a lot of different things. He was a warrior. And uh, we see here he was a musician. And his job in the palace was to go and to play calming music for Saul when he had uh, his anger come upon him. And so David would show up and he would play uh, music for Saul in the palace. And that was supposed to calm uh, calm his spirit. And so this is what we see David was doing. And at the end of verse number 10, it says, and there was a javelin, a spear in Saul's hand. I, I read an article recently that talked about the 10 most stressful jobs uh, in uh, the United States, according to CNBC. And at the top five were this. Uh, number five was a live broadcaster uh, to, to go and to cover uh, intense situations live. Uh, number four was an airline pilot. Number three is a police officer. Number two was a firefighter, and number one was military personnel. And so these are stressful jobs. These are intense uh, jobs where tension is in the air. But I think that if CNBC was around during David's time, he might say that being a musician in the king's court was a stressful job because the king had a javelin in his hand, and if you were off key, and if he didn't like the melody uh, that you were singing to, he's going to throw a spear at you and try to kill you. And that's what David is experiencing here. But notice what it says in verse number 11. And Saul cast the javelin. He threw the spear. And so tension is in the air, uh, mainly because there was a spear in the air. Uh, Saul threw that javelin at David. And he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. And so uh, David had some good reflexes and he ducked and he was able to uh, miss that spear hitting him. But there's a very interesting word in verse number 11. It's the word twice. David fled out of his presence, not once, but twice. And uh, later on, we learned that he even did it again. Now, this is interesting because if I was David and I was working in the king's court and someone threw a spear at me, I'm going to call in sick the next day. I'm probably going to try to take a day off the next day. Uh, but David, what did he do? He kept showing up. He just kept showing up. He said, yeah, this is an intense situation, and yeah, there's tension in the air, but I'm gonna keep on being faithful to the assignment that God has given me. He kept on showing up, and I believe that God honored David because he was faithful in his assignment, and he kept on showing up. Was there a risk involved? Yes, but he kept on showing up. Was there tension in the air? Yes, there was a, there was a javelin in the air. The tension was so thick, you could cut it with a javelin, but David kept showing up. And I just want to encourage our church family. I believe that God will honor those that just keep on showing up, that say, yes, things are scary. Yes, things are uncertain. Yes, I'm navigating the land between, but I'm going to keep on being faithful. I'm going to keep on showing up. I'm committed to the plan that God has for my life. I'm committed to the local church. I'm not going to think, escape his thoughts about how, oh, life can be just so much easier somewhere else. No, I'm going to get rooted. I'm going to get planted. I'm going to bloom where I uh, implanted. And so I want to encourage you today uh, to just blossom and, and, and to uh, bloom where God has planted you and where God has called you. Just like Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. David, he just kept on showing up. Here's the third thing. He learned how to pivot. 
David learned how to pivot. Now, uh, pivot is a word uh, that we've been using often over the last uh, four or five, six months that we've been talking about. Okay, we need to, we need to pivot and uh, pivot to change directions. And as a church, we've been learning to, to navigate, to pivot. And uh, here's one new order because of the coronavirus. Okay, we're pivoting. Here's a new order. We're pivoting back. Here's another one. We're, pivot. we're constantly uh, adapting and being flexible and changing uh, not our mission, Our mission remains the same, reaching people with the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus, but our methods, we're we're pivoting. We're we're trying to adapt to uh, the circumstances that we find ourselves in. You know, when you play basketball, there's great power in a pivot. Uh, You can free yourself from a defender if you use the right pivot move. And uh, the goal is the same. You're trying to score a basket, but you have to pivot in order to make it in the right direction. And so we're learning how to pivot. And that's what we see an example that David does. He learns how to uh, pivot. Now, notice verse number 14. Uh, Verse number 12, it says this in verse 12. And Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and was departed from Saul. And so Saul could recognize, man, the hand of blessing is now on David's life. Verse 13, therefore Saul removed him from him and made him his captain over a thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. Now, you might uh, be able, you might think, oh man, well, that was a great thing. Now he's captain over a thousand. But actually this was a demotion. Because back in verse number five, it says, And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him, and he behaved himself wisely, and Saul sent him over uh, the men of war. And so David already, as a young man, was in charge in in the entire army and a high-ranking official in the army. But now Saul says, I'm going to send him out of the palace. He's no longer going to be the musician. Now he's going to be over uh, the captain of a thousand. And so this was a demotion. This was new territory. This was a new position. And Saul had reason for this. We're going to see in a moment that Saul wanted David killed uh, through this. But David had to remain faithful even in this new position, in this new assignment. He had to learn to pivot and to be flexible. And I was thinking about uh, this just where our church is at. And I was thinking since the inception of our church, since we first started, we have met in 10 different venues, 10 different locations. And uh, we are a mobile church in every sense of the word. We are pivoting. We're constantly uh, seeing, okay, where where are we going next? Uh, But I'd rather be a church on the move than a church that is just comfortable and stagnant in their own comfort. Uh, I want to be a church that's constantly moving forward. How can we reach more people? How can we try new ideas? Hey, I'm not going to complain about every new situation that comes into my life. I'm going to pivot. I'm going to learn. And I'm going to say, okay, how can we glorify God in this situation? And that's what David did. I love his heart. He said, hey, you want me to be a shepherd? Great. I'm on it. You want me to be a musician? Great. I'll go practice. You want me to be a warrior? Great. I'm going to go and study how to do that. Whatever position David was in, he learned to adapt. He learned to pivot uh, all for the glory of God. And I just want to encourage you today. There's going to be some new changes. A growing church is always in transition. We might go to a different venue, a new service schedule. But hey, let's not be the type of church that says, oh, I don't want to do that and that's not good. No, we're going to be a church that pivots and says, okay, if this will enable us and allow us to reach more people, I'm all in. I'm ready to go and I'm ready to pivot for the glory of God. And this is what we see uh, with the life of David. He was able to pivot. And I want you to see verse 14. It says this, and David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. You know what was more important than the position of David? The presence of God in his life. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter the position that you're in. It matters if you are encountering the presence of God on a daily basis. And the Lord was with David. And so the secret to his success was not in a title. 
The secret to his success was not in a position. The secret to his success was the presence of God. The Lord was with him. I love Psalm 16, verse number 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. You want to know something? You cannot rejoice in the presence of God and complain about your life circumstances at the same time. You just can't do it. You can't rejoice in the presence of God and complain about your life circumstances at the same time. And I want to encourage you today to encounter the presence of God, to wake up every day, spend time reading God's word. This is God's word to us, spending time in prayer, talking to God, encountering his presence in a real way. And uh, notice verse number 15. If you're still with me today, would you say amen in the comments? And uh, verse number 15 says this, Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. Now, the word afraid uh, in that verse uh, carries the idea of avoiding someone, to turn aside, which makes sense because uh, if, you, uh, if you were Saul and you tried to kill David twice, it'd be probably pretty awkward to see him in the hallway, you know, the palace, like, hey, David, sorry about the other day, you know, are we still cool? And uh, it would have been a little bit awkward. And so now we see that Saul is avoiding David at all costs. And uh, then it says in verse number 16, and I love verse 16, and I hope that you have a Bible nearby so that you can underline it, highlight it, circle it, star it uh, to remember this because it says this, but all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. That, that meant that he was faithful to his job. He came out and went in before them. That meant that they saw him being faithful. And so here's Saul. He wants to demote David. He's going to give him a new position, a demotion. And he meant to do this for David's harm. But what Saul meant for David's harm, God meant for good. And in verse 16, we see that all of Israel and all of Judah loved David for this. And I just want to encourage you today. What the enemy means for evil, God intends for good. And hey, the coronavirus, you, you can uh, mark it down. The devil wants to use the coronavirus to divide the church, to disrupt the church. But I believe that God is going to use it for our good. All things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. God has a purpose. God has a plan, even when we don't see it. I believe that God wants to use this season uh, for his glory. And this leads us to our fourth principle that we learned from David. How did David navigate this season? Number four, he kept the right perspective. He kept the right perspective. And it says this in verse number 17. And Saul said to David, Behold, my elder daughter Merib, her will I give thee to wife. And so now all of a sudden Saul's like, Hey, David, I want to bless you with a wife. And Saul, for political reasons, is putting on a kind face. And it looks as though Saul is being kind to David. But as we'll see, uh, this was actually not the case. And he says this, Only be thou valiant for me. But David, I need you to show me how courageous you are. I need you to show me how brave you are and what a great warrior you are and fight the Lord's battles. And uh, of course, uh, uh, he was just kind of using religious verbiage to make him sound uh, better. And so he's saying to fight the Lord's battles. And then it says, for Saul said, let not mine hand be upon him, but let the hand of the Philistines be upon him. And so here's what's taking place. Uh, Saul says, David, I want to give you a new wife. 
but you're gonna have to prove yourself. You're gonna have to earn it. And you're gonna have to go out and prove yourself to be a mighty warrior because he was thinking in himself, uh, it's better uh, that I don't kill him, but I send him out to the heat of the battle and let someone else kill him. And that way people aren't mad at me, but David's still gonna die. And so, yeah, David, you can have my daughter to be your wife, but you just gotta go out and prove yourself. And he was hoping that David, uh, in an attempt to prove himself, would uh, go out and make some risks and to do some things that um, uh, maybe would have been too dangerous and end up getting his life killed. By the way, a lot of people today in an attempt to prove themselves end up hurting themselves. A lot, especially young people today, in an attempt to find favor or to prove themselves or to show themselves accepted in a certain group, they will do things that are ending up hurting them in an attempt to prove their worth. Can I just encourage you today, wherever you may be watching or listening from, don't try to prove yourself. There's no need to prove yourself. The Bible says that you are already, if you're a child of God, you are already accepted in the beloved. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You don't need to feel the pressure to go and prove it to someone else. No, you're accepted. You're a child of God. You were bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so you don't need to go out and fight someone else's battle in order to prove your worth. You are already valuable and wonderful in the eyes of of God. And so uh, we see that Saul wanted to uh, have David uh, prove himself and really an attempt to, uh, to kill him. But then notice, lastly, David's perspective here in verse 18. And David said unto Saul, Who am I? Who am I? And what is my life or my father's family in Israel that I should be son-in-law to the king? David here shows a great perspective on self. Even though Saul had ulterior motives and even though Saul wanted nothing but harm for David, David still said, but who am I? David did not think too highly of himself. We are filled with a culture of people today that want to show their achievements, that want to brag about who they are, that want to show off of what they've accomplished and want to make themselves look great. But the person that is truly great is often the last person to realize it. The person that has experienced true greatness is often the last person to be aware of it. And David says in verse 18, but, but who am I? Demonstrating great humility. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 12, 11, I am a fool in glory. You have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you. For in nothing I am behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. That was, that was Paul's perspective on himself. I'm nothing, taking a lowly position of humility. Proverbs says this in, in chapter 26, verse 12, Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit? There is more hope of a fool than of him. And so what we see is David kept the right perspective on who he was. And there's a key uh, phrase in this entire passage this morning that I believe brings it all together. And it's that phrase that we see mentioned several times, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. I wonder, could the same be said about your life today? Does the Holy Spirit indwell your life? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Is Jesus with you? You know, David in Psalm 23 uh, says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. See, David had a personal relationship with God, and he said, The Lord is is my shepherd. I'm a shepherd to these sheep, but the Lord, he is my shepherd. I, I know him personally. And today, if you don't know God in a personal way, you can know him. 
And that's really the key to navigating the land between and, and, and being able to uh, stay calm when tension is in the air. How can we do this spiritually? It's by the power of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that comes at the moment of salvation. And so if you've never had uh, the moment of salvation, if you've never prayed and accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, uh, you can do that uh, today and experience the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. And so yes, it's 2020, tension is in the air, but God is still on the throne. He is still the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and so we can trust Him. And I wanna encourage you, let's prioritize our relationships. Let's stay faithful to community that God has called us to. Let's keep on showing up, even if there's a risk, if there's a difficulty. Hey, we're gonna exercise wisdom, but we wanna be faithful and keep on showing up. We wanna learn to pivot and be flexible and allow God to change our methods in order to further His mission. And also, we want to keep the right perspective. And I want to close this morning by just reading a quote from Billy Graham uh, that I read not too long ago. He was doing an interview uh, right before he died. And uh, someone asked him, what's the biggest problem that we're facing in America today? And he responded by saying this, the human heart. What's the biggest problem that we face today? The human heart. And uh, he went on to quote Jeremiah 17:9, how the heart is deceitfully wicked, who can know it? But then he went on to say this about our problems, and I thought it was fitting for uh, our cultural climate today. He said, we don't have any possibility of solving our problems today except through Jesus. We don't have any possibility of solving the problems that we're facing today except through Jesus Christ. Can I just encourage you today? Jesus is the answer. He's always been the answer. He always will be the answer. And just like the Lord was with David, uh, the Lord can be with you today as well. He is uh, our true shepherd, our good shepherd, our great shepherd. And the Bible says that through Jesus and Jesus alone, we can have salvation and uh, we can experience eternal life. And so this morning, I want to close with a word of prayer. And today, if you are a follower of Jesus, I hope that you will uh, take the time to reflect on 1 Samuel 18 and you'll learn uh, some principles from David about how we should have the right relationships and keep on showing up and and, uh, keep on being faithful when tension is in the air. But if you're not saved today, and you know who you are, you might be listening to this, you might be watching this live, you might be watching this six months from now. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and you don't have a personal relationship with God like David had, I would encourage you, today can be the day of salvation. It's not about being a good person. It's not about uh, the works of righteousness. Our righteousness is just filthy rags. And a lot of people think, you know, if I'm good enough, I'll get to heaven. But that's not the message of the gospel. It's not the message of salvation. It's only by accepting and receiving the free gift of eternal life by faith. We put our faith in Jesus Christ alone. And so today, if you know uh, that you're a sinner and you're unsure about your eternal destiny, heaven and hell, you're not exactly sure. What I'd like to do is I'd like to close this service online by just leading in a simple prayer, just giving you an opportunity to pray and accept Christ. It doesn't mean that you have all the answers. It doesn't mean that you have everything figured out. It means that you want to place your faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And so I'm going to lead in a simple prayer. And if you'd like to pray and accept Christ, I would encourage you uh, to repeat after me. And you can pray this prayer uh, wherever you may be watching from uh, today. And if you do pray this prayer, uh, there's a link in the comments that says, I have decided. And I want to encourage you to click that link. We would love to rejoice with you and congratulate you on on your walk with God and on on your salvation. And, uh, And I would encourage you to do that today. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know 
that I've done wrong. But God, today I want to turn from my sin and I want to trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and that he rose again from the grave on the third day. And today I accept Jesus as my Savior. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for the promise and hope of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen.